0: Hello everybody, uh, it's Honey here with Naya. Uh, today, your two favorite wrestling journalists are going to present our little <laughs> review of Crown Jewel, the most recent WWE pay-per-view. Uh, and, you know, probably going to talk about everyone's perception of the geopolitics of the Middle East. Because yes. apparently that's a necessary thing to talk about when you want to talk about the Saudi pay-per-views but we can get into that later. Naya, how are you? I'm
1: pretty good. I had a long (laughs) week, but I... uh, (laughs) You kind of popped me with the wrestling journalist thing, (laughs) considering (laughs) the week and the interactions that I've had. Oh, that's why I had. That's why I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to keep that as a shock from you that that was going to be the intro. (laughs) (laughs) That one definitely got me. Everybody's favorite wrestling journalist. Yeah, <laughs> who didn't go to journalism school?
1: <laughs> did, any <laughs> did any of them? <laughs> did any of them go to school? <laughs> I don't think. I don't <laughs> think being a jerk. There's okay. The qualifications <laughs> for being a wrestling journalist do not require you to know anything about wrestling journalism or have gone to school for anything, really. <laughs> It, it sure so... seems that way sometimes. So, for those
0: of you who don't know, I imagine i imagine everyone knows, because I think our only listeners are people who follow Naya on Twitter, but there was a kerfluffle with um, a wrestling journalist early the, earlier this week, and it was pretty nasty and yeah. gnarly, and just unpleasant um, for everyone involved.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was more or less like... Um... For me, like, because the thing about me is I'm very uh, argumentative as is, and I will admit to that. Um, I've been that way my entire life, but um, that was right, it's just that was a situation that I just kind of felt like, am I am I crazy, like, am I losing my mind here? Because I had a a couple of different people, including this uh, journalist. Um, who are essentially telling me that I was in the wrong in a situation that I was pretty positive I wasn't wrong about. But um, all in all, me and this individual, we just mutually blocked each other, and so I'm not going to talk about him. And he, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, because uh, I don't know if people know this. Uh, if you do follow me on Twitter, m- Twitter, maybe you see me hint at it. But this person. Had a line in their Twitter bio dedicated to something that I said to Lord them Jesus. one time, and it was that way for months. So hopefully, this person doesn't talk about me. I won't talk about him. At and... one point,
0: it feels. At one point, you get the thought that like he's got the hots for you or something because he's like
1: is that <laughs> several obsessed? people, several people like were like even like I have a couple of mutuals on Twitter who aren't really like into wrestling as much anymore they kind of like vaguely keep up through it and mm-hmm. even they were like he seems to have a weird thing about you like if somebody who doesn't even pay attention to wrestling can pick up on that then
0: it was just i weird, don't know guys it was it was, it was very weird. weird it was a weird it was a weird week everybody's had a weird week i found out i'm going to new york in a couple of days like, three days ago. Because <laughs> me and my friends... So before we talk about Crown Jewel, we're just gonna, you know, chat for a little bit. But, yeah, sure. no, I, I've i been wanting to go up to New York because my friends recently moved. They bought an apartment, which I officially oh. call their house. Because if you buy it, it's a house. I don't really care. Yeah.
1: But, if you live uh, there, it's a house, honestly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they, they finally bought a place that they're hoping to settle down for a extended period of time. Because, so, you know, in New York, you end up moving every three fucking years or something. But they finally found a place that they like, they want to settle for a little bit. They're, but they got a whole bunch of... Just design work they need to do and planning and where to put shit and for those of you who don't know i did contracting work for like 12 years so uh (laughs) i'm the person my friends always come to when they want to ask questions about stuff like that uh and i'm honestly uh, apparently the singular person on planet earth who likes to help people move (laughs) like (laughs) I want to get like I want to get a truck so I could be the guy with a truck who helps people move like that's so much all I ask for as payment is at most water ample water beer and like some churros then after that like I'll do whatever you want like I've hauled a fucking bed and what are they called dresser drawer shit up like a flight of rickety-ass stairs for somebody, because I was getting beer and churros and Mexican food afterwards. <laughs> so I like, I'm, I'm like a golden retriever. Give me a few treats, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. But, <laughs> but I'm excited to go up to New York. Vaguely excited to be on the Greyhound bus system once again. Shout-out to Greyhound. Don't fuck me over this time. Uh, Shout-out to Springfield, Missouri, where I was stuck for seven hours in the sun this summer. Oh. Yeah, someday I'll get into, you know, the the Greyhound stories on, on this podcast, because <laughs> there Greyhound are a lot. Um, but, uh, but one place I cannot take a bus to is Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Kingdom of Saudi yeah. Arabia, where we saw one of the better pay-per-views that we've seen recently, I feel, out of WWE, because I feel like I agree. WrestleMania was was pretty solid. I I enjoyed myself at Wrestlemania both nights. Was it two nights this year? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was. I don't actually remember most of the pay per views since then. (laughs) Like, I remember SummerSlam because a lot of both stupid and good stuff happened at
1: SummerSlam, but... I think that's kind of partially on WWE, too, because there's so many pay-per-views. I think WWE could honestly stand to, like, not do once-a-month pay-per-views. Like, It would be a lot better if maybe we went, like, every four months or something like that. I,
0: I mean, I almost, and this, this is maybe gonna sound weird, but, uh, UFC does fight nights, and then they have, like, they have, Mm -hmm. like, their UFC, like, 266, UFC, like, the number, and that's, like, the big pay-per-view, where they do one of those a month. But they have Mm -hmm. these fight nights that are, like, kind of smaller, almost more, like, mid-card pay-per-views, and... Mm-hmm. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing WWE take that approach almost, where like maybe like was it at- every two when months, they- like one Saturday, every two months they'll do like a shorter special show or show. something like that.
1: Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good because I got a phone call just now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um,
0: I, I take up all... Nobody else gets to talk to you while you do this. This, this is yes, our time. I am focused. But, um,
1: yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't that originally, when they started doing In Your House, wasn't that kind of the idea of In Your yeah, House? Yeah, that that was actually
0: pretty much the approach of In Your House and uh, stuff like that. It wasn't a pay-per-view. It was like a, a fun little, you know...
1: Like a special, Like a special. Like a special.
0: And uh, yeah. I would i would honestly love to see the in your houses come i love the, like in your house has some like if you go back and watch the older in your houses uh there are some just legitimately good programs on that uh and i know they did a little bit of that with nxt yeah which i liked i liked the nxt in your houses too But they Um, did,
1: so NXT In Your House is more of, like, a takeover, so it was more of a pay-per-view. It was. But I do kind of, I kind of like the approach that, and I will give credit where credit's due. Um, Both NXT and AEW have been doing this, where they've been making some of the, like, weekly episodes, kind of, like, special episodes. Like 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 Halloween Havoc. Like like Halloween Havoc, they're doing this week. Last year, when they did... um, the Fourth of July one, what's that one called? Like Great American Bash. Bash? Great American Bash, yeah. And then you know, like uh, AEW has done the same thing where they had like you know, yeah. like um, their whatever their ones are called. I can't think of the names right all, now. Like, but, is it is is it all out
0: or is it? Yeah, like it's something like that. I don't like. Sorry, listeners, we're not as familiar with <laughs> AEW's titling. As we are Yeah, t-
1: <laughs> I know they have, like I think they did like fight for the. Balling. is it full gear is that what i'm thinking of? no full, full gear are... that's what it was yeah. it was full gear and then like they have like obviously like double or nothing is yeah. like the major pay-per-view so i kind of like that format too doing like special nights or maybe even like special saturday night like not pay-per-views but like special Man, episodes do you, do
0: you remember when they used to do stuff like i mean you you don't this is before no. you were born but they used I'm to 12. do stuff like to like like WWF Superstars, where it was like a Saturday show and like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like we don't really. I mean, do we really need more wrestling content at the end of the day? But
1: yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I, I mean, like. When, I think it would be beneficial for like the mid card people, where where people are complaining about not, especially because WWE and even now AEWs get into a point to where their rosters are so big. Yeah, within just, the like the five hours of programming, or I guess seven hours nine hours, eight hours of programming for WWE. Um, <laughs> and, like, the four or five hours of programming that AEW has every week, it's hard to fit that many people. Like, we can yeah. kind of get on them for not having people on the shows, but at the same time, when you're only dealing with a certain amount of time, Excuse you can't me. put everyone on the show at once. And so honestly, maybe bringing back those still having a problem with it, even with all the roster cuts. Like, they just have so many mm-hmm. people,
0: and honestly, like, all that right. is one of the reasons why, like... 205 was so good because it had- yeah. it was just the place for this division. So I wouldn't mind a like- d- like not like a fully separate women's brand but like a 205 yeah. like just one hour women's program.
1: I have Don't tell me that, that wouldn't give years. views. I've been saying that for years. I said- I've said this since like 2018 or 19. They could have done something like that all of 205 Live for the women. Um- hell they could honestly they have main event they could turn main event into that may they i always said make mickey james the the gm but obviously she's not with WWE anymore so i say like maybe make like make natalia or i know um molly holly works backstage now make her the gm or something or sonia hell make her the gm of it and And then half her treat an hour fairly there too (laughs) <laughs> right and then you can run more storylines <laughs> they can get like actual non-title storylines and then yeah. you can have your major your major story your major title storylines for Raw and Smackdown and like one or two non-tori, non-title storylines on Raw and Smackdown and yeah. NXT
0: I mean, it would just—it would be nice for them to... This is completely off-topic of what we're supposed to be talking completely. about. Completely. But, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think something like that would be nice, and it would just give people more opportunities just to get out there and wrestle. Because most of these people are right. just happy to just, you know, go out and wrestle. just
1: be in a ring. And I get that there the are probably, part. like,
0: production costs and stuff, but, I mean they're like how many billion dollar company they can handle a little bit
1: of extra production costs yeah and honestly the matches that they they same way they do 205 where they film those matches after nxt mm-hmm. they could do this and they used to film them after smackdown they could do the same thing honestly film like a match before smackdown so instead of having a dark match film that for that show then the afterwards dark match they can keep as just a regular dark match mm. you know Hey, yeah. Vincent, I'm full of ideas. Hire me. Give me a job. I'm full of ideas.
0: I mean, at this point, feel free to just keep stealing my ideas, you big old motherfucker. <laughs> but, I mean, just something. Just like, let's just get this going. But... get the show on the road. <laughs> but, uh...
1: Crown Jewel. Yeah.
0: Speaking of a show on the road. Uh, yeah. So, I don't even remember what the first match on the card was. Was it Hell in a Cell? Yes, yeah, so we opened because I also i focusing. i didn't watch i didn't watch the kickoff match i i didn't watch did the care. kickoff
1: match either it was sorry the usos. usos sorry of... hurt business y'all know I love the usos those are my boys those are my babies well those are my babies but um I didn't watch I was I watched this uh, don't tell my job this but um I watched this entire pay per view on the clock <laughs> um <laughs> I, I, I was literally like checking out customers watching wrestling on my phone at the same time um none that i sat down to watch it with you (laughs) Uh, my co-worker at some point i was literally like it was a semi-slow day so i was sitting on the floor watching it on my phone and my co-worker said what are you doing holy shit there was more than one person staffed at a time oh yeah that's a very hallelujah
0: (laughs) praise the lord jesus there was more (laughs) guys there was more than one person staffed a nice
1: job oh my god (laughs) Oh, honey knows the issues that I <laughs> At my place of employment. Um, yeah. It's awful. <laughs> 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 it's terrible. <laughs> That's why I'm backing. My job is so terrible, I went back to college.
0: (laughs) God. That's how you know it's bad. It's like, God, I'd rather be in college than be here. I'd
1: rather be in college. I can't do this for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I didn't watch the kickoff either, but um, the actual pay-per-view started with Edge versus Seth Um, And that match, I I took notes. Honey didn't take
0: notes. I did not um, take notes. Man, I am not a man that takes notes.
1: I have so many First of all like I think if you're going to open the show you you should always want to open the show with a bang You should make it as hard as possible for the rest of the card to top your match. You should push them to, you know, set set the bar really high and I think that Edge and Seth Rollins 100% did that with this match. Um it was also one of the longer matches on this card. But honestly, most of the matches were pretty short. But this match was almost 30 minutes. And it didn't even feel that long. Because every moment counted for something. Every moment told the story that they were trying to tell. Um, I really liked a lot of aspects of this match. I felt like they did a good job telling their story of, like, edge is, Seth is edge light. And Seth is basically, I'm you, but better. Um by like stealing each other's moves and uh really just pushing the bar of like who can hurt each other the most um and both of them like making callbacks to some of their previous Hell in a Cell matches um there's they had some really cool spots too. I liked the sunset flip off the ladder into the table. I and, actually or, I had
0: to cuz I was I was mostly paying attention I was also, you know, stumbling around on the internet like a drunkard, but I, uh, uh, I, I've made sure when I saw the, the sunset flip about to happen, I've made sure to, like, set everything down, and I was like, I need to see this, (laughs) because I had heard about it. That was a moment. As it was happening, and I was like, I need to see this, because, like, that was, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, back in the day, uh, that was, you know, the move that injured Seth so
1: yeah
0: you know severely <laughs> <Seth is>
1: insane <laughs> it was said, crazy this move, <laughs> this move almost ended my career i'm gonna do it off a ladder there was also uh. <laughs>
0: there was a moment where he was i think he was going for something off the top rope and edge knocked him off into the cell yeah onto the table and that i that was i popped for that i'm not gonna lie just because yeah was,
1: that popped me too I, I popped even harder when I saw how Seth just laid there like he was dead. <laughs> I was like, this dude's great. I I think, love, I but I was kind selling. of upset, though, because I, it looked like Seth was going to go for a moonsault, and if you're an OG Seth Rollins fan, you know, like, he used to be, like, he used to be king of the flippy shit. He doesn't really do much of that anymore since his injury, but every time Seth, like, will uh, treat us to a moonsault or something like that, I get really <laughs> happy, but Edge ruined it. <laughs> Damn you, Edge. Damn it, Adam. Damn you, Edge. <laughs> um, Let's see, what else do I have I this match? I really...
0: I did enjoy the Hell in a Cell. And on, at this point in time, it's become more and more difficult for me to enjoy Hell in a Cell matches, just because I feel like many of them in recent years have just not been great. Um, no, I agree. And, like, I, I just I always think of the, the Braun and Roman Hell in a Cell, and the mess that that was uh, and honestly like the Seth and the Fiend one which isn't uh. the worst but it wasn't it it just felt sloppy to me you know what I mean uh, and I didn't yes I've seen your tweets Naya uh, <laughs> and I honestly I know that you know this is the minority opinion here but i really didn't like the becky sasha one like i i watched it and i knew everybody was so hype about it and everyone is still hype about it to this day like this is one of the best hell in a cell's ever and i'm
1: like no it's not
0: Mm
1: like (laughs) i'll and honestly i'll say that too i'll agree with that statement not that i didn't enjoy it i thought it was a very good match i will say that i think that her match with bailey's was better and I also think that Bailey and Bianca's was also better than that one.
0: For me, out of those, um, if I had to rank all of let's let's rank all of the women's Hell in a Cell matches for me, it's probably Bailey and Bianca, mm-hmm. Sasha and Bailey, Sasha and Sa- and Charlotte. Forgot that woman's name for a second. Um, then Sasha and Becky. I've I had just, some
1: discourse about that Charlotte and Sasha one the other day. I didn't jump in on it. Um, I enjoyed I enough of defense. I've done enough of defending Charlotte this week. <laughs> <And>
0: <laughs> I liked it. It was but, just, it was pure heel nat, just nastiness yeah, from Charlotte. And I, I like when I Charlotte's did... just evil. Me too.
1: <laughs> and what I wanted, to, what I wanted to say, what I just let her be a bitch. In that discourse, is that I feel like people are confusing their feelings with how the match ended with the actual quality of the match. Like, you know, I also agree that Sasha should have won that match, but that doesn't mean that Oh, 900%. Not bad. Yeah.
0: Like, there, um, are, there are matches that are that are good that I still am, like, disappointed with the ending, but I can at least, like, if I come out of it thinking,
1: yeah. well, this was a good,
0: this was good, you know what I mean? Like, if I come out there of it There was that,
1: a match like that on Crown Jewel. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um but yeah and then like even to like your point earlier about like just some of the i i was thinking that too in my rewatch of this match um today that just a lot of hell in Cells just kind of seem like they go for the they go for the stipulation but people the people in the match don't always like really really make the most of the stipulation in my opinion like really going for it so the ones that are really good in recent memories are the ones that really really like take it to that to that level. Um Bianca and, Bianca and Sasha. I mean Bianca and Bailey, Sasha Bailey, Edge mm. and Seth, and another favorite of mine, but I think it was for different reasons, was Jay and Roman. Um, oh
0: shoot! I forgot about that one. I really enjoyed yeah. that. I it it's not my favorite Roman Hell in a cell match. That's always gonna be him and Bray Wyatt. But uh No, I remember that about blast mm. from the past. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed uh, Jay and Roman's. Uh, Jay, win the Royal Rumble, please. Turn on mm. Roman, day one. <laughs> Beat him at
1: WrestleMania. Um, I think the last thing... <laughs> oh, oh, I do want to talk about the timing of this match. I kind of mentioned it a second ago that the match was 27 minutes long. Um, and I just wanted to point out here that just because a match is long doesn't always mean it's good. I think we were talking about this when we were talking about Kenny matches the other day. Yeah. That sometimes the length of a match can be to the detriment of the quality of the match. This was not the case. I thought they did a really good job of like, okay, if we're going to go this long, well, we're going to actually get fill it with substance and not just have it be just 27 minutes for the sake of it being 27 minutes. Well, um, another thing... And I with, would like to see more of that.
0: With that is... I mean, it's Hell in a Cell. You can drag a Hell in a Mm. Cell match. Like, it does depend on who's in it. You know, like, the the Roman and Jay... I don't remember how long the Roman and J match was. I remember it it feeling like a long time. But it needed to. Because it kind of needed to feel like you were watching a Godfather movie unfold in in the Cell. So there are some... So I think in a Cell match, you can drag that out. It's gonna feel more right. Because the Mm -hmm. whole point is, you know, they're supposed to be like dragging each other through the mud. They're supposed to be yeah. whipping them, slapping them, just beating the shit out of each other.
1: When I saw and, that
0: match time though, I was like I was kind of shocked cuz it didn't feel that long. It really. didn't feel like t- it certainly didn't feel like 27 minutes bell to bell. Uh yeah. it felt a lot less. Um but you know, the whole card, actually all of the matches felt short, but I know not all of them were uh but i do feel like they got i
1: have the match times
0: they got i actually feel like that worked for the the benefit of the pay-per-view as Mm -hmm. a whole because keeping a lot of the matches shorter i felt like helped everyone do more instead of trying to push it like uh like well what what was the next one it was uh
1: monso versus Mustafa.
0: Mustafa and monso yeah and they uh that
1: only went 10 minutes
0: but it was a perfect ten minutes. You didn't really need any more right. of that. It was ten minutes, and right. that told the story.
1: Yeah, you know? that, and I agree. Like, I feel like I feel like all the matches really hit that sweet spot of like it didn't need to be any longer than it was. It just was as long as exactly as long as it needed to be to tell the stories that they were trying to tell. Um, I can't really like none of the only two of these matches went more than fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. All of the matches were under fifteen minutes, um,
0: which I think is fine. Like. And we were talking about this privately, too, when I brought up the... Because I gotta talk about Kenny, apparently. (sighs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because we were talking privately the the other day about the Kenny-Okada matches. Which I'm sure if you enjoy that kind of wrestling, you, you probably really enjoy those matches. But one of them was apparently, like, a more than an hour-long two-out-of-three-falls match, and I was just like, I cannot watch that. Like, I'm, like, I love wrestling, but if I'm going to be sitting and watching wrestling for an hour and it's just one match, it needs to be an Iron Man (laughs) match or it needs to be a Royal Rumble. Like, I'm sorry, I just, I cannot do it. And, yes, you know, let's get into the semantics of the differences between a two-out-of-three-falls and an Iron Man match. But... It was nice, because sometimes WWE does push their pay-per-view matches a little bit on the too-long side. Like, that was mm-hmm. my main... Excuse me, my main issue with the Drew and Roman I was Survivor say the Series thing, match. Yeah. Is that sometimes like they it just, just... Yeah, they just get it into their head that, like, you have to keep dragging it out, and you really don't. And so it was nice to see WWE rein it in, you know? Because yeah. I also feel like you got more of the matches that you wanted on this card. Like, no, nothing really felt like a throwaway, except for the Raw Tag Team title match, but that's just because they've ran that like, three times, like, two, yeah. twice, at least, before this, which just kind of made
1: it... More times <laughs> than we've needed to see that match, to be real. Like,
0: if they had done it once before Crown Jewel, and then did it at Crown Jewel, I I, would, I, I would have sat down and watched it, but I'm just like, I've seen this before. You know? And it's not even an interesting.
1: Yeah, to start with, it's not. It's yeah,
0: really just not. It's just like it's time for everybody to move on from this from this program. That being said, I'm not sure if I want to see the the Mustafa program end quite so soon because uh, I'm really enjoying what those two are doing. Yeah, I like this little mentor, minty, jaded optimistic. It's such a, it's such a, like, it's not, like, a clever story, you know what I mean? It's not, you know, groundbreaking Mm -hmm. or whatever, but it's fun, and the people involved, it's, it's nice because you can tell that they are playing a story, and that those two men actually do like each other. (laughs) So, like, you get a lot of just good chemistry and good energy from it, and I'm, I'm always just happy to see Mustafa Ali work. (laughs) I'm just happy to see him wrestle, <laughs> like, He's as long as I like, get him in the ring wrestling, I'm happy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the match itself, also, I felt like they could have done a little bit more, but it worked for the story, because it seemed like Mustafa was not holding back, but, like, taking a different approach to how he was wrestling Mansoor.
1: I also and, think he was really trying to put Mansoor over, too, because, yeah, like, you know, them being, you know, so, if you don't know, Mansoor, um, he tr- did his tryout in Saudi Arabia when they went a couple years ago. He got signed there, and he's built from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. so, like, he's kind of their hometown. He, he's the hometown throughout. boy. Um, and I think that, so that may have been part of it, and then, too, just telling that story, too, maybe that is kind of rubbing off on Ali. Maybe we might get our, uh... Our heart back. I don't <laughs> want that.
0: I want him to stay a bad guy.
1: Me too! I like <laughs> evil M- I love Evil Mansoor.
0: I, <laughs> I am... I, so, M- I will say, this is, you know... In the next episode, we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but, uh... One of my fantasy matches... One of my fantasy feuds... Was always... Face Buddy Murphy... After the feud with Seth, going up against heel Mustafa Ali for the WWE title. I cannot tell you guys how badly I wanted that, because I was just like, oh, you could get so much drama, so much emotion, so many callbacks to their feud on 205 Live for the Cruiserweight title, where Buddy was the bad guy, and the just damning heel, and Mustafa was the optimistic, you know sweet heart of two oh five live. Uh and it it just uh I just but Mustafa's just so this is just gonna turn into us for talking about how great Mustafa Lee is for three hours, which is not enough to cover how awesome he is. Um (laughs) but I just I really do enjoy the character work he's been doing ever since he turned heel. I know people made fun of retribution, but tell me retribution wasn't the tightest Rep- shit. Dude, like I loved
1: retribution from the beginning. Cuz part of
0: loved- it <laughs> Part of it that Dude, made they- it so good was like they didn't take themselves too seriously. Like they kind of understood that like they kind of got like these whack names and masks and stuff. But like yeah. so like they had fun, but they didn't ever like they Not, didn't
1: bury it,
0: yeah. I, and I'm so mad. I just said that word. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it happens to us all. But it was just. I mean, people. I and people talk shit about like slapjack to this day. But like, it was so cool because it was like this weird blend of like millennial internet humor you, right. and like the obvious, you know, like anti, you know, evil
1: anti fa. <laughs> <laughs> which, Name if it. you which, if you know anything about the people who were in Retribution, Dio, Mace, DiJack, T Bar, um, Mia, Mia, like they're they're a bunch of video game nerds. Of course, they're gonna like Shane t- Thorne is dating in. someone from sh-
0: from fucking Smosh. Like, <laughs> like come on, they're where is all that. nerds. Like, it's great, and that's one of the reasons why it was. So good, because it was just genuinely people who, like, you could tell liked each other. And, like, I'm always sad that they didn't stay together, because I really loved it when T-Bar and Mace stayed together. I was happy, because I was like, okay, pick Slapjack up, take him with you. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was just fun, and Musaqo was a big part of that.
1: That could have honestly been a great story to tell too with Mansoor, like because he's friends with all of them too. Like they could have been like trying to recruit. Yeah, him what are the the
0: insiders <laughs> yeah. or something that that Mason, yeah. Shane, and Mansoor
1: are? They're all best <laughs> friends. Like that would have been great. Um, the only other thing I really wanted to say about the Mustafa Mansoor match, um, just that it was really important representation wise. That's something I'm always gonna pick up on and talk about because it was very nice especially
0: because you know i i I think you were i think this is a little bit before your time but you know the major muslim character i remember uh in wrestling is uh was muhammad hassan who -hmm. was not at all played by a muslim or even a middle easterner uh he was played by an italian american from like new new york um i did
1: not know that yeah no, wow, that guy's not stuff. middle
0: eastern like at all um wow but you know it 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 was it was presented as a terrorist gimmick, you know what I mean uh, mm-hmm. and like he came out with like people and like masks and stuff, and excuse me, and you know, but it was ba- it was balanced out with the fact that all of the things he was saying pretty much boiled down to please don't treat arab americans like shit <laughs> mm-hmm. please don't discriminate against arab americans unfairly and so he like going back and watching it i'm just like this is so phenomenally bad and obviously it was like 2000 that happened in like maybe 2006 i want to say so it was it was the mid-aughts it was you know the height of the united states invasion of the Middle East and it, it it was obviously playing on the xenophobia and racism coming from that culturally and it mm. was just bad it, every part of it was bad because all this big major heel was saying was please don't discriminate against Arab Americans because that's really not cool which is true <laughs> like it's generally bad to discriminate against Arab Americans because of what's happening in the Middle East politically. But and I think
1: that's um another that's... thing that like makes most of us so great as a heel is that he can be a heel and he doesn't have to be a racial stereotype. Yeah. Um, he can do it in his own way and do it off his own experience and, and even tie those things into him being a heel without it being like, like with retribution. Like when people asked about like the names Mostafa use that as an opportunity to talk about growing up with, like a quote unquote abnormal name, just because it's not an American name, Mm -hmm. and you know tie that into his real life experience, being a heel, being in retribution. Like he made it all come full circle in a way that was respectful to himself and his culture. Also, can I just also say real quick because I noticed it when I was watching Crown Jewel. I wish Corey Graves would make an effort to say Mostafa's name correctly because everyone else has fans everyone else on commentary backstage interviewers i just think it's really disrespectful that everybody's making an effort to say his name correctly i actually Corey.
0: i actually had my own note on the commentary because there was a there's a moment where they were talking about the justice for ali hashtag and mm-hmm. michael and byron were scoffing at it and i was like i don't know if i like that Because, like, I get it. He's the heel and everything. But, like, he's also right. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like... Because, like, I don't know. Like, when I think about it, he probably is currently the most underutilized (laughs) person on the roster. (laughs) Like, he he is. And especially when you go back and you hear about, you know, like, the plans for him in 2019 and how he was supposed Mm -hmm. to have this big championship arc. And it got, you know, unfortunately just completely stopped in his track.
1: Um, Isn't it it so ironic that Randy Orton purposefully stopped Kofi Kingston's first push and then in the middle of that storyline of Kofi getting his actual push he accidentally stopped Randy accidentally stopped Mustafo's by injuring him. Randy! (laughs) I just thought about that.
0: (laughs) You gotta figure something out about yourself, bud. Um... But yeah, it, it, again, this is going to turn into us praising Mustafa Ali for three hours, but it's just been nice to see him getting a story because he's one of those wrestlers who I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure has professed in the past that mostly what he wants to do is tell a story
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and he's finally getting an opportunity to do that and it not be like whack in any way like it's just a good old-fashioned classic story i will say i forget the name of the young man who came out after the match the uh
1: oh yeah um, Uh, his name was let me let let me look it up because i want to be respectful and say his name properly and everything
0: but uh Um, i will say like i know like everyone was like who is this and i was like i didn't know who it was before crown jewel but just like the way he came out in, like the gi with the face covering and the head wrap and everything, mm-hmm. I was like, that is some of the tightest shit. <laughs>
1: yeah, <I was laughs> he like, I looks look, like I a fucking comic. Looks cool.
0: Like he looks like a fucking anime character. Like it was so cool. <laughs> like, like okay. I like I was just like, this is awesome. Like I don't even care who this is. Just the way that they introduced him and the slow walk to the ring and like not like it was
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I also love like when he took it off like nobody on on Twitter I just saw people still saying like who is this but the crowd obviously knew Yeah the crowd you know, was so like hey <laughs> Yeah um his name is Tareg Hamedi I hope I said his name right but he's an Olympic karate yeah silver medalist which is super cool Um and to, like, you know, Mustafa getting to tell the story alongside, that's the first time Michael Cole said on commentary. Shout out to Michael Cole, too, because he always points these things out, and I love that about him. But um, that's the first time that two Muslim men have gotten to face each other in one-on-one competition on a WWE pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That, and also, I think that would be a good transition for us to kind of talk about the whole like controversy in terms of WWE going to Saudi Arabia. Yeah,
0: let's just let's let's put off the review for a minute and get into this whole thing because I just want to say my basic stance on this is that I don't give a shit. Yes, I know that it's shady to be taking money from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to put on a sports washing sports show washing. since that's the new <laughs> fucking buzzword buzzword. Um, yeah, but. Like, I mean, they just went to Britain. Where was the outrage then? Like, okay, they're not getting paid by the British government, but they're still appearing in Britain, which is, like, the original, iconic, motherfucking, god-awful government that does terrible shit all over the planet. So I'm just like... And, like, they have shows in America every fucking day. (laughs) Like, they have the fucking tribute to the troops do we do we need to boycott tribute to the troops because of the issues with is that, the military industrial not,
1: complex like, is that not sports washing is that not propaganda like, like is it hello? not
0: and like there are gonna be people who do boycott tribute to the troops and stuff which I will say I like I don't, I don't watch it, but it's not for that reason which I will say I don't believe in that because fuck the military like individual troops I'm
1: cool with, like, right? It's so, so, so it's the same concept to me. Like, yeah, fuck the military as a as an industrial complex. Yes, but that doesn't mean that the women and men who actually serve in the military don't deserve to like get entertained. Same thing for these people. Just because their government is bad, like that and doesn't also, mean that the citizens should have to suffer because of it. Like, so they, my, they, other, my other my other point
0: too. is that like, would they be able to run shows in Saudi Arabia without? That aid from the government? Like, would they be able to put on those shows just by freely traveling over there? Or right. is this a situation where there is no way to put on these sports entertainment events without the government actively being a part of it? Because I always figured that, like, the reason that the government was a part of it was because you're not allowed to do things like that without their permission. Mm-hmm right like that's how their government works like still presents issues but like i'm just like would they because like i doubt like aew could just roll in unannounced and put on a show in saudi arabia like i have to assume that that is something that you literally have to get permission from the government to do
1: and like to that point too, like to the aew wrestlers and in the the people who want to be like, oh, blood money and all that—all like, money is blood my, money
0: under the wheel of all, capitalism what, that crushes the workers. Know who
1: you're working for to start with. And two, <laughs> if if the prince, if the Saudi Arabian prince came to Tony Khan and wanted them to run shows there and offer it, we're offering them the kind of money that they offer WWE. To sit here and pretend that they would not hop on that is preposterous. They can sit here and sit on their high horse, but really, they're just hating because so, it's not
0: them. I know. I'm pretty sure because I got to talk about him. Kenny is one of the people who's made a comment about that, and like, yeah, he did. I feel. I genuinely do feel like a lot of people who are making these comments, not even just an AEW fans, just everybody, in general. I feel like a lot of them think they're coming from a genuinely good place. Like, not that dude who replied to you who ended his tweet with, this is why we can never trust Islam. I was like, "That okay. I was, <laughs> like, was, you
1: a, I was like,
0: you took a real left turn there, bud. <laughs> but, but, you know, the people who are like, this is why the Saudi Arabian government is bad, this, you know, all that. I feel like a lot of them are genuinely coming from what they think is a good place. It's just difficult, like I said, with the whole, like, blood money comments. Like, all money, genuinely, <laughs> is blood money under the crushing boot of capitalism. Like, I'm sorry, the money that you get from your job is money that you're getting because you are being exploited by people who own capital. Like, that is it. That is the. Yeah. That is not Absolutely. to get not to communist manifesto. This episode about wrestling, but <laughs> it, it 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 just frustrates me because I need people to understand that. Legitimately, you cannot, especially, and especially when they talk about, like, and I do, I hate to bring up, because I I don't, I don't know anything about the cons. Tony, his dad, I I can't make claims about if they've ever done anything with shady governments or whatever. I don't know enough about that. I'm not going to make a comment on that. But Tony Khan is a billionaire, right? His dad is a billionaire, at least. Yeah. There is no way that you can do that without every cent of your billions being blood money. I need people to understand. Like, I, I Like again, I know I'm maybe getting a little bit too serious about this, but you have to understand that you cannot, like, Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, Tony Khan, Tony's dad, whose name I do not know. <laughs> like, Definitely. yes, like, Every single cent of those pers- of those people's fortune is blood money, because they are exploiting workers. That is literally how it works. Like that is how capitalism works. You make money off of the blood, sweat, and tears of the working class. That is just how it is. And like that is what capitalism is. <laughs> like so, whenever I see the blood money comments, I'm like, I need you guys to take a, cause. It feels like, like I said, I think they're coming from a place that they think is good of like, oh, this government does this, these terrible things and they shouldn't be rewarded for it. But I also don't feel like they're being rewarded. I feel like the fans are being rewarded. The
1: fans are, yeah. But it's,
0: it's just just... frustrating because you have to view it through a truly full out anti-capitalist lens. Like anything less than that just is just an excuse to hate Saudi Arabia. <laughs>
1: you know? What I, I mean? think my my main stance on that is that wrestling fans kind of have a tendency to try to become experts at other things when those uh conversations present themselves within the context of wrestling. Oh yeah. A lot of y'all don't know anything about geopolitics or political science, international and foreign relations. So don't try and sit here and pretend you do now. Um like, I have I will admit, and I can admit where I've done something wrong or where my opinion has changed. Because, you know, opinions can and should change over time as you learn more. I used to be one of those people. I used to boycott the shows. I used to, you know, think, like, they're so evil and, like, bad for going over there. But I've taken the time to listen to what, first of all, I have mutuals on Twitter who are from Saudi Arabia, and from the Middle East. I listen to what they have to say um and how they feel because at the end of the day their opinions are the most important opinions because that's their real life they live there every day of their lives um and those things affect them um and they say how it makes them feel to see people making those kinds of comments and saying those things and it's hurtful um and then on top of that like just straight up admitting i don't actually know enough about you know their social their political climate to genuinely uh form an opinion or to give commentary at the very least um, on that I and I think sorry I was just going to pop in I was going to say like also
0: you're making a good point because the people we should be listening to are the people literally (laughs) living in Saudi Arabia Yeah, (laughs) like let's listen before we all take our American and British and you know colonizing culture asses letting our mouth letting us run our mouths let's listen to the people who are actually there let them tell the facts and and then go on with you know more information exactly
1: and like i said it a long time ago and i still stand in this that i know and i don't believe that wwe is going to be the catalyst for social change in saudi arabia but (laughs) as time has passed they've clearly made some sort of a difference at least as it pertains to sports and in wrestling Mm -hmm. we've gone from like in the beginning there were no women on these shows they didn't go over there with them at all they didn't Mm -hmm. participate um and now Renee has done commentary there um we've had we've gone from not having any women's matches on the card to having multiple women's matches on the on this card to having a woman referee of a match um I meant to say that when we were talking about uh, Edge and Edge and Seth, but mm-hmm. shout out to Jessica Carr because Ref Jess, Ref Jess, I love her. She's making so much history, and she's been Ref such an integral part Ref of that Jess, trilogy Jess, Ref in Jess, and about everything. So, like, I love Ref definitely Jess. be giving her some love. She's great. She's honestly great. And um, can we get
0: some like they, some love in the chat for Ref Jess?
1: Honestly, because <laughs> they've made so, they've but the point is is that they're actually making changes. at least as far as bringing wrestling to the country. So that's why, like, like, you brought up that person who... They didn't reply to me. They replied to one of my mutuals, but Mm, that person who just went on that weird Islamic, like, rant. Yeah, that was Um, just an odd... (laughs)
0: Everything about that was weird. Like...
1: Yeah, but like to be like, oh, the they don't even want the women to come. They're just WWE's putting their foot down. Like, no, they do get their way. If they didn't want the women to be there, they wouldn't be there. So the fact that mm-hmm. they've been able to change that and bring the women over to wrestle, to referee, to commentate, that that's a good thing, and mm-hmm. that shows that this is doing good.
0: Like, like you said, like they are not going to single handedly like
1: yeah Wattpad fan fiction fix
0: all of the problems. Yeah in Saudi Arabia. That's just not gonna happen. But, little changes like that are important. Like, I know everyone Mm. wants, like, this is, like, again, this is, like, why I get into fights on Twitter with keyboard anarchists and Twitter socialists, but everybody wants... Wow, this episode got really philosophical. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Everybody wants societal change to come in these big, solid waves where, like, a law gets made and past, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden everything is fine everywhere, and you know everybody follows the law, and there's no discrimination or what the fuck ever and that's just never how it happens. Societal change never change comes either with a horrifically bloody revolution, which I know none of you n- not listeners, just like the general you towards the aforementioned keyboard anarchists and Twitter socialists. <laughs> I know none of those people are willing to deal with the bloody, horrific revolution. And the other way that societal change comes is through these little notches yeah. on the tree. Like, you have to chip away at it. You have to have your first woman commentator, your first women's match. And again, it's it's not going to change anything about the laws in Saudi Arabia. But it can change entertainment in Saudi Arabia and entertainment Mm -hmm. can help change people's perception of the world around them the world in which they live so it's important that you know not you know that men in Saudi Arabia are seeing all of this and that can help over time influence new generations of and I say men in particular because I assume men are the ones making laws over there um It can help influence them in a positive way. You know what I mean? Like, also the other thing I'm like is people are like, "Well, why are like the wrestlers who support queer people going over them?" Like, cause it's their fucking job.
1: That's like the other thing. Finn Finn Balor (laughs) wore his shirt that said like Black Lives Matter. I support LGBT. I support this. I support. He wore that there. Like, hello. Like, you can't sit here and tell me like, oh, if he does, if he actually cared, he wouldn't do that. He's clearly representing his views on a t-shirt, like, (laughs) in his media, in his media (laughs) interviews in Saudi Arabia, and that's not the first time he's done that, and if there was a real, real issue with him doing that, he either would have not been welcomed back, or he would have not been safe to go back, and clearly he was there, and he's fine.
0: And I will also say, I know, like, I think some people have made an issue about, like, the women's gear, and the Mm -hmm. women on the media having to, you know, dress very conservatively, I don't actually think that's a big deal.
1: Like, I don't think that's a big deal either. And I'll say like like to me that's, that's just one being of those respectful of someone's culture. That's being respectful of their culture. You're if they're gonna go over there, they have to respect their culture. They have to respect their laws. And um, and that's a they did that. And there's nothing wrong with that aspect. And that's, that's just one of those things that will change over time. But that's it's also another part of their faith. One so. of those
0: instances where it's like. Have you asked, like, the women who live in Saudi Arabia? Like, do they Mm -hmm. think it's oppressive and horrible? And some of them will say yes, but some of them will also say no. Like, there are a lot of Muslim women, not to, you know, speak for them or anything, but I've seen a great deal of Muslim women be like, we choose to do this because this is part of our faith. It's no different than, you know, Orthodox Jews wearing what they wear or anything like that. Or, like, those, like... The not like Amish people, like Mennonites. Am I thinking Mennonites? Like it's no different from like those women wearing skirts all the time. Like it's right. Just you know, again, talk to people who are actually experiencing it.
1: Yes. Like again, if you don't, if you don't listen, the people you shouldn't be listening. You shouldn't be listening to other Americans about Saudi Arabian politics. You should be listening listening to people from Saudi Arabia. You know and Like also oh the other thing too like when you mentioned Finn it is very very in my opinion Islamophobic and just kind of xenophobic to jump to conclusions like Shayna Baszler can't go to Saudi Arabia because she's LGBT like you're I feel like that's just textbook xenophobia you're jumping to a conclusion and especially when Shayna herself cleared up that she has been there multiple times and also um, Dewdrop is also LGBT. Paper, I call her paper. I call her paper. Like, paper, she's also LGBT. She was there. Like, don't make assumptions like that because those also, are the Also, like, everyone's
0: always talking about, like, the wrestlers that are, like, known to be queer or supportive of queer people. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many of them are queer. I do want to, right. that's, that's a broader issue that I've always wanted to bring up. So many of those people could just be on the down low or be in the closet and, which, both of those things are fine. But, like, it's weird to make assumptions that there aren't gay or even, like, trans people going over there who are just closeted. Like... Right. We don't know. It's, like, part of the problem is that you're assuming that those people are not going there anyway. Like, we don't know. Because it's not our
1: business. <laughs> it's don't you know, you know. But um, anyway... Yeah. Speaking anyway. of favor, the next match since we're skipping the tag match was shout Queen's out to the Crown camel finals. Shout out to the camel, shout out to Omas. <laughs> but yeah, um we kinda talked a little bit about Queen's Crown um to like in private. Yeah. I I'll be honest, this match was only five minutes long. Um if it, it felt longer. It did. Me. It felt much longer. Maybe just because I wasn't feeling it, I would have uh, I would have liked to z- see Zelina put a little bit more like heel work into this, mm-hmm. especially knowing that she spoiler alert she won. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just would have liked to seen that a little bit more. Um, I really, really, really wish they would have went in another direction with this tournament, but but Zelina's not a bad choice. She's like the fifth person I would have picked <laughs> to win. <laughs> You know what my pick was. Liv Morgan. Am I the same pick as me? Liv Morgan. Um, And if not Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler. Um... Just, like,
0: I understand people's issues with the Queen's Crown Tournament. Queen of the Ring. It's Mm. Queen of the Ring. Let's all be real. But, I don't know. It almost seems like this had to be... Because, like, do we all remember the first... Let's take a, a walk down memory lane. Let's think about the first women's money in the bank ladder match. Because mm. the first women's money in the bank ladder match was won by a weird little white man. man. So, <laughs> yeah, like, it almost seems like almost every single time they do this kind of match, this kind of gimmick thing for the women for the first time, it gets messed up. Like, it, it almost seems like they have to stumble to get anywhere, and the yes. only thing they did
1: right on the first try was the first Women's at Rumble. I think that's the only yeah. thing they've gotten right.
0: And even then, I have a little, f- I have a couple of
1: issues with that, but
0: <laughs> but, yeah, the Women's Rumble, cause even the Women's first you know, main event at WrestleMania mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the first women's, <laughs> uh, the first women's, uh, fucking pay-per-view main event was was Sasha and Charlotte, which people have oodles of problems with. So, it seems like every single time they have to stumble and then the next go-around they found their footing and they yeah, like, finally Excuse me. they finally get to where they need to be. And I mean I actually, I did like the Piper... Zelina match. Um, I really, really loved the finisher that Zelina used. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the finisher that Melina used for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Shout out to Melina, also. Oh my god, talk about a trailblazer. Uh, Fun fact, Bret Hart is quoted as saying she is basically one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like, Bret Hart was like...
1: Dee Bret Hart.
0: Yes. Was like, hey, this one. (laughs) So, uh, Melina doesn't get enough love. um, She really does For the genuinely excellent in-ring performer that she was. Like, just unbelievable. We're gonna have to talk about... We're gonna have to have a women's episode or something. Oh, yeah. Where I, a man, talk about women. Um, (laughs) well, like, semi-man. We're in a weird space with that. But... I mean, I I liked the match. It was a fun little, you know, five minute end of the tournament, you know, big man little man match. Yeah. Uh, I liked that. Zelina had to bust out this like crazy ass power move to win, and uh, I liked that most of it was do drop, just whooping ass. Uh, I hope to see her continually booked as an ass whooper in the future. Uh, so, I mean, I enjoyed it, you know? I would have, liked. I, I will say, I don't actually think it could have been any longer and still been good. I just don't think that this was the time or place. I don't think those were the two women to accomplish, you know, like a 15 minute, you know, end of the tournament match. She Uh,
1: and Liv could have gone 15 minutes, just saying.
0: Well, it's not even a question of, like, (laughs) What they could, like, physically how much they could have gone. Well, no, obviously they
1: physically could have gone 15, but, like... It's just, like... Quality speaking.
0: Yeah, I just feel like... Because, also... It's hard to make a big man-little man match go much longer than 10. And still be believable. So, for what the match was, I enjoyed it. And I thought it was actually the amount of time that it should have been. I still would have preferred you know, the story of Liv Morgan And this is coming from someone who doesn't really like Liv Morgan, but you know, of her being this kind of like, still green underdog, getting Mm -hmm. this push, and then obviously the missed merch opportunity of Long Live the Queen, Vince, you (laughs) stupid motherfucker um, it was right there like, right there but, uh but I don't know. I mean, I liked it, and I feel like this is probably actually going to be good for Piper too, just because I feel like she's going to be able to, you know, come back to this and you know hold it over people's head, like, oh well, I got to the
1: finals of the Queen yeah. of the Ring tournament, stuff like that. So um, I also think Zelina will be a good queen. Like, like I said, and I and I want to specify that. I personally have a love-hate relationship with Zelina Vega <laughs> where I think she is such a very talented individual, I just kind of don't like her as a person. Um, but that's neither here nor there really. Like keeping it on the topic of like her wrestling, she's very she's pretty good in the ring. She's very good character worker. She's very good at promos. So, all in all, I can see why they would go with her, especially over Liv Morgan. I love Liv Morgan to death. She's one of my favorites. Um, but Liv Morgan still has a lot of footing to find as a character, as a as a performer as well. Um, so I can see them going in the more stable direction of we know Zelina can carry this out and make the most of it if they give her the the space too, because you know, that's another aspect. Um, so I I'm excited to see what Zelina can do with it. So like I I, I think I tweeted this during the match. Like um, I'm happy for Zelina, but I'll, I'll always be a hater first. Yes, um, when it comes to her i'm I'm honest about that, so yeah, like I'm happy for her. It's also cool that the first Queen's Crown winner is a woman of color. Um, so that that's cool too. Oh, and the only other thing i had I had written about this match again, Corey. um, he made a weird comment towards paper oh, yeah. about like he said like she he doesn't think she has the stamina to like outlast Selena in this match. I just want to say Corey. Just because somebody's bigger or because somebody's plus size uh doesn't mean that they don't have stamina it doesn't mean that they're not athletically up to par with somebody like don't speak on her stamina just because she's bigger than Zelina. that means nothing like if we were talking about like bianca belair then yeah you know that's an instance where you can physically provably say bianca is faster or stronger she's got more stamina etc but in this instance it just seemed very out of place and felt fat phobic um, and I just i saw, I saw a couple people point that out, and I definitely caught it when he said it to Corey, can you maybe just be a little bit I know being a dick is your thing, but like be a little bit less of a dick, maybe draw the line at like fat phobia
0: I mean he never will yeah. you can tell he's just got the vibes of someone who does that he and sucks. like <laughs> like I'm sure in his personal life he's a perfectly pleasant human being to interact with, but mm. like. I give people the benefit of the doubt, but (laughs) I, but it's, like, I can see, like, part of the problem is that, like, I can see what he was going for. You know what I mean? Because, like, it's not unusual for during a wrestling match, or even they do the same thing in MMA, when someone is bigger and more muscular in any way, shape, or form, you tend to assume that their stamina, their cardio is not as up to par as someone who's smaller just because they have more to push around. They have more to move around, like, physically. And, again, it's a comment that's been made so many times, but something about the way he said it just made it seem a little skeevy. So I can see, so part of my problem is that I can see exactly what he was, he was going for this classic, you know, well, the longer a competition goes, the person who has less mass to push around is, is gonna do better, which is just, again, not always true. I do want to say that. That's 100% not always true. Some tiny people have shit cardio. <laughs>
1: but, right.
0: uh, but I can see what he was going for, but just the way he approached it was just, Again, a little skeevy and just a little weird. So it's unfortunate that I can see what he was going for and I can see how it ended up going wrong. But I do think maybe in the future it would be wise for male commentators to just maybe not make those comments. <laughs> like, right. let's maybe just leave that in the pocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so what's
1: so what's, the, what's the next one? The next one is Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg.
0: Oh, fun. I really enjoyed that. I I think you said I don't remember if you said you watched or not. I did. I really I did. enjoyed it. Uh just because I I I truly enjoy uh this kind of wrestling where it's very like 1996, you know. It's it's two big dudes who are not you know, They're not doing, you know, 15 minutes of mat wrestling. It's a, a slobber knocker, I believe, is the term. I like a good slobber knocker, and that's what this felt like. I enjoyed seeing... It was also... It was a very simple story, and I appreciated that. Like, it was a very simple... Goldberg is pissed off and... Excuse me. Wants to kill... I'm sorry, I'm yawning so much. Wants to kill this dude. And then proceeds to do that. (laughs) You know, there was just enough of a touch of Bobby Lashley not being, like, completely buried. That Mm -hmm. I felt like it was pretty well balanced. And I do understand that Bobby Lashley has been on a little bit of a losing streak. But, like, all of the people that he's lost to have been these big name motherfuckers. Like Roman and Biggie and, and Goldberg who one way or another is a rest is a you know professional wrestling legend um so i just really enjoyed it it was just a fun simple little you know two dudes two big dudes beating the shit out of each other trying to kill each other just kind that kind of match and sometimes that's what i want you know like in the middle of like you know like the deeper storylines and stuff And, you know, the more intense matches. I do want to see two dudes just smack the shit out of each other. Because, you know, it's just a nice break (laughs) from, like, serious stuff for, like, more, like, athletic wrestling. And... Yeah. It's just... It's also kind of nice because, like, Bobby Lashley and Goldberg... They kind of have a lot in common as wrestlers. Like, I mean, what is it the, the... Oh my god, it's the suplex where you hold someone up for a long time and it's really stupid. Stalling suplex? Yes, stalling suplex. I hate that move. <laughs> I hate that move. I think it's so dumb. But it does- it serves a purpose. But, you know, they both do stuff like that. They both do spears. So it's kind of fun mm-hmm. to see- and I don't ever remember them really acknowledging this, like, in the story. But it's kind of fun to see, like, these two generations of guys who are, like, pretty similar- just go at it so like I I have nothing but good things to say about this match because I just enjoyed it it was it was a simple fun match
1: I honestly I didn't write much down about this match but that's mostly because I kind of had similar thoughts I thought it was just like it was simple it was to the point and I like that sometimes I, I don't care for Goldberg but I am quite a Bobby Lashley fan which I feel like Bobby Lashley doesn't get the credit he deserves. He does not. As as he is. Um, I said I literally wrote in my notes I think this match is better than anyone would have expected to be unless you're me and you know how great Bobby Lashley is. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think that it was outdone by some other matches on the card, but it wasn't But it wasn't supposed a, to be Yeah. Know. It wasn't gonna be match of the night. It wasn't gonna be like that 'Cause it's Bobby in, in Goldberg. They did exactly what they needed to do. Yeah. My only the only thing I had about this match, and this is kinda how I am with a lot of stipulation matches. I feel like they did not make the most of the stipulation. It was false that... from anywhere. Most of it took place in the ring. That's yeah. just a personal pet peeve of mine. But I also really liked the finish. I felt like they ended it well. Um that was a cool spot. It popped me. And that's all that really it needed to be. Like sometimes yeah less is more and this is an example of that to absolutely. me absolutely um, the next match was King of the Ring uh, finals and I kind of feel like how you felt a little bit about the Bobby and Goldberg match where I think I really liked the aspect of this match where it was just competitive it wasn't really as much heel face it was just Like, okay, this is the finals. We both want to win. We're fighting for the winning spot. Especially with other matches on this card, like Edge and Seth and the triple threat and Roman and Brock being so storyline heavy. It was was good that they went in this direction because it set the match apart from the other matches on the card.
0: Yeah, and, you know, this is... But, like, it was still, at the end of the day, telling a story. It was telling the story of, like, two men who want to be crowned king of the ring. But it didn't have to be a deeply emotional story. It could still right. be a compelling one without being, you know, like, have you hanging on the edge of your seat, like, with, you know, Paul Heyman's facial expressions. So, yeah, it it absolutely did serve that purpose of just being a truly competitive, enjoyable, not even, it wasn't like, fa- like you said, it wasn't face-heel. I wouldn't say it was like face-face. It was just like almost neutral. But, you know, I do think pretty much everybody wanted to see <laughs> Everybody that I know at least wanted to see X win, which he did, which I was thrilled about. I I hope mm-hmm. all of the people at Cage Side Seats, fuck you Cage Side Seats, that, that were like, they're, you know, Xavier wants to be king of the ring, and everyone wants him to be king of the ring, so obviously they're not gonna do it. I hope all y'all HL motherfucking hats, because look what they did they made xavier king of the ring
1: wrestling fans i know wwe doesn't like to let (laughs) us have nice things that often but like wrestling fans it's okay to be optimistic sometimes (laughs) and this is something like i'm like the most pessimistic person in the world but like it's okay sometimes to like to like just have a feel-good moment um and this is a really good one um xavier if you know anything about xavier woods He's been talking about this for a, a long time like didn't he say like years. this is like
0: what he wanted to do since he was like 17 like he wanted to be yeah. king of the ring king and of that's the ring. it
1: he became a wrestler specifically <laughs> to win king of the ring literally xavier woods ever, and, and go watch any interview he's ever done xavier woods has said his two career goals was for kofi to be wwe champion and for him to win king of the ring and he's accomplished both of those things now and so i'm just very happy for him which like um,
0: shout out to him for like one of his goals being to get his friend right to be uh wwe champion what a sweet guy
1: what is he's a sweetheart and you can tell why he's so universally loved across him i i pointed this out like him, Kofi, and E are, like, three of the most universally across the entire industry love people I've ever seen. Like, when they accomplish something, it's not just WWE locker room, WWE fans. It is the, like, AEW. You know those motherfuckers will shade anybody from WWE. But even they will come out to praise them and them. I mean, I think them. all,
0: like, all every company. single black wrestler that I know of was talking about Big E when he won the title. (laughs) So, like, like, it...
1: Those three mean so much to the subculture of wrestling fans that is the black internet wrestling community or the black wrestling community. Those three mean so much to us. Like, it's it's actually kind of insane and you see why. And it's because they're so hardworking. They're so nice. They're genuine people. And they're talented, too. Like, they got the talent to back up all that goodness in them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, like, the match itself was just a very watchable match Mm -hmm. between, you know, I think that it also kind of showed a little bit more of, almost, I want to say Finn's, like, veteran status, I want to say, because you could tell he had a plan that got thwarted, and, you know, then after that, Xavier just kind of took over, and again that's when I say that like it it was a compelling story being told without being super complex and Mm. like complex stories are fun I do enjoy those in wrestling but it was one of those things where it just like they knew what it needed to be and they made it that and it was just a very just purely watchable wrestling match with a very good finish that Mm. just you know made you feel good yeah (laughs) Like seeing um, Xavier like go up to the throne, just and, yes. yeah, and the cape falling off, and he was like, "Oh, it's gonna fall off." <laughs> it was just it a was very. Just
1: everything about it was so sweet.
0: Everything was just very feel good, and that's that's what I wanted out of that. You know, like I I wanted it to just be a
1: feel good moment. Yeah. <sighs> um. Next. Oh. Okay, I almost tripped myself up. Next was Big E versus Drew McIntyre. Which, which is where I, I take not- over. <laughs> I did not watch because I don't watch... I I think Drew McIntyre is a good wrestler. Um, but He's a fantastic I- wrestler. He's personally, so I find myself not enjoying some a lot of his matches. or Not that I don't enjoy them, it's just I feel like they're very average to me. That's just my personal opinion, so I opt out of watching them usually. I will let Honey take
0: the floor. Well, I also think that, like, to some degree, because, like, you and me have talked about, um, Tommaso before, and how you don't watch a lot of Tommaso's matches, like, unless they involve Tim. Tim, please come back. Oh, my God. Um. (laughs) But, uh... I, uh... You know, you've talked about how, like, his style of wrestling just, like, doesn't appeal to you. And I always kind of figured that was probably... About the same thing with Drew is that it like the way that he wrestles and the way that he conducts himself in the ring just isn't quite interesting to you, which is fine. Like every like I know that Drew has you know ever since he got pushed has become like kind of a um, like maybe a little bit controversial. Like I don't want to say controversial. That's not the right word. Like kind of a hot button for wrestling fans. Because a lot of people are like, well, why is he getting pushed? Oh, you know, this, this, and this. And it's like, well, because he's good, and he's, you know, marketable, and he's just pleasant. <laughs> like, like, not to, like, you know, simplify it too much, but, I mean, he's just a pleasant, enjoyable man who's very athletic and very good at big man wrestling, which we all know Vince still has, you know, a bias towards. And it just, uh, I mean, it's, it's again, it's, it's one of those things where it comes down to, it's the kind of wrestling that I enjoy. Um, I enjoy Drew McIntyre being a big motherfucker who just kip ups and, you know, kicks people in the face. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love his face character that he's become. Uh, I think he's actually about due to kind of, you know, hit that tweener point where he's you know a little bit good but a little bit healy um as for this match again it was what it needed to be like it wasn't match of the night but it was what it needed to be it was two big dudes smacking you know big meaty men slapping meat (laughs) like and that was all it needed to be it there were some really good spots there was a lot of good they focused a lot on both of them being very powerful, very strong men, and just being, like, physical specimens. And that's really what it needed to stay at. It didn't need to have them getting crazy. It didn't need to have them getting complicated. There was a lot of, you know, finisher teasing, and trying to tire each other out, and throwing each other around. And that's what it needed to be. And that's what made it enjoyable. Um... Again, one of the things overall about Crown Jewel is that they didn't overcomplicate things. They made each match, well, the last two matches we'll talk about, but they made pretty much everything what it needed to be. And I think Drew and Big E went into it recognizing that they weren't, like, the big deal match of the night. So... They still obviously gave their all, but they knew that they didn't have to be ridiculous or anything. But even with that, it was still, again, just a very watchable, very fun match. And I would say it was one of the better matches of the night. And it was another match that they got the timing just right. It did not go on longer than it needed to. It wasn't too short. It wasn't, you know, there was no squash match happening in either direction. And I think it served as a really good little send-off for Drew to SmackDown. And, you know, helped pump Big E up as the champion going into Survivor Series season and post-draft season. Because, like, I'm a little bit worried for Drew on SmackDown. Because I feel like they are going to put him in the title picture too soon. And I would much rather see him maybe play around with like whichever mid card title is on there or find a non-title feud. I think they could probably run like there are a couple of people on SmackDown who he could run a really good feud with right now. But I kinda want him to stay out of the title picture until like maybe like they start teasing the Rumble. Um and, you know, have him tease that. But having Big E beat him as the send-off just makes a ridiculous amount of sense because, you know, regardless of anyone's, you know, personal feelings about, you know, Drew's ability or Drew in the ring or anything like that, um, he is still a two-time WWE champion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he is still, you know, one of the top guys in the company and has been since you know the start of 2020 and even a little bit before that when he was you know starting his rise to the top and it was important for big e to kind of beat one of the last big challenges on raw which is what drew was so it was what it needed to be it was entertaining uh i love a good drew mcintyre match i love a good big e match and it was a good send-off for Drew, and it was a good starting point for Big E as champion in this new Raw roster. That's it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't give much more glowing praise. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I will say, I will say, at first, when the, it first started up, I was kind of like, "Oh, Drew again. Um, but I will say, given the time period with them transitioning into the draft and this pay-per-view, which is kind of like usually a, like a bit of a filler pay-per-view, um, I didn't mind him feuding with Drew, um, even though I tapped out of most of it, because um, it, it was just like a transitional like kind of time filler until we get over this weird hump of time thing. Um, so I guess it served its purpose for that. The next match we have is the women's triple threat, Sasha Banks-Bianca Belair versus... (laughs) Sasha Banks-Bianca Belair- Becky. I wanted to say Bailey, so mad and I knew that wasn't right. (laughs) So, this Um, match, I actually
0: feel, is where they may have gotten a little overcomplicated in spots of all the matches on the card. This is the one where I feel like, as I watched it, I was like, some of this seems unnecessary, but I... I completely disagree. It's, I mean, well, I was going to follow that up with, I mean, it's a triple threat, so you kind of have to have a lot of engagement between the competitors. Like, you can't really keep it too simple, because then, you know, it's, you know, two people fighting, and then one person jumps in, and then one person jumps out, and all that. So, it felt a little bit over complicated for me in some spots overall it was not it was again what it needed to well i mean what it, it ideally what it would need to be is sasha winning and bianca having the raw women's title but that's a yeah. whole other
1: thing yeah um so with this man i wrote a lot of it looks like i wrote a lot of notes but really i was trying to verbalize some of those incredibly complicated spots that you said because i don't know so like I think that the reason why I think it was necessary, or not even that it was necessary, that I think what they were going for was this is a triple threat and we want to maximize all three of us being involved in these spots as much as we can. Like, there was a, like, more than usual you see in a triple threat. Like, usually it's like these two will wrestle, put them out. These two will wrestle, put one out. These two will wrestle, put one out. And then, like, a couple of spots where it's all three of them. But, um, they like really tried to make the most out of all three of them being in a spot or being in the ring at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um I think that uh <laughs> like I just like I just have like no wasted momentum, no wasted time. There was a lot of double submissions, double pins, uh like Bianca Moon salting onto both of them to break up the bank statement. Sasha using Bianca as a step zone to kick Becky. And then they also just had some insane spots where I'm like, "How the fuck did you even think of that?" Um, there was one spot with Bianca's braid that I can't even properly describe. Like, you honestly, if you didn't watch this pay per view or watch this match, you need to, um, because Sasha had Bianca's braid. She was pulling on it, and then she like straddled it. And then Bianca like yanked the braid So that Sasha essentially just took a flip bump and landed onto her back I don't think me describing it does it any justice You have to watch it to see how (laughs) entirely insane that was Uh, There was another spot where Becky monkey flipped Sasha out of the corner Into Bianca's hands for a powerbomb But Sasha hurricane run out of the powerbomb Sending Bianca to shoulder Becky in the corner Like that was one spot but it just, just so many insane things happen, and I'm like, who came up with that? Probably Sasha, <laughs> to be honest, because she's insane.
0: Um, I was gonna say a
1: mix of Sasha and uh, TJ. TJ, yeah, <laughs> the Madman, uh,
0: <laughs> the Madman. Just, just,
1: ins- just literally insane spots. I remember watching this match. I think I tweeted like they had to access an extra 30% of their brain to come up with these spots. Yes, because what am I even watching? Sasha Meteora into Bianca, and Bianca gets Sasha into a torture act for Becky. Then Becky drop kicks Bianca into an averted mo and drop on Sasha. I don't even know if that made sense, but again, like you, you just have to watch it to see what exactly that was. Um, I thought this was another match that like was just the perfect timing. It was almost twenty minutes long, but it it ended exactly when it needed to. Like if it would have meant went another two or three minutes, it would have been too long. Um, and uh, everything everything that was happening felt like it counted for something or served a purpose. It didn't feel like they were just doing shit for the sake of doing it. Everything um, felt like it meant something to the match. Um, I know if there's any Sasha Banks fans listening to this, you're about to get mad at this next statement. But Sasha did not get robbed by losing this match because as much as I agree that Charlotte should have dropped the title on Monday and then Sasha should have won this match because charlotte didn't drop the title on monday it would have made zero sense for sasha to win this match because then both the titles would have been on smackdown and that would have just been another thing that people would have been complaining about um i mean the only way to fix that
0: would have been to have like bianca or becky face charlotte on smackdown and then have then like flip same, the title like the yeah yeah
1: like that's the only literally like that last
0: like on friday night that would have been the only way to get that
1: or i suppose i mean then, do it on raw but even by then that would have been stupid because it would have come all the way back to why didn't they just have charlotte drop the title to that person to to bianca on monday like you know yeah like let's it just not speak like,
0: yeah, let's not speak Becky winning too many matches into existence.
1: Yeah, like it it's so it just kind of I feel like it was one of those examples where <laughs> WWE kind of did not take any of the opportunities that they had to make this simpler. Um which, which happens. obviously it happens, it's WWE, but but I saw a lot of people who were really like outraged after this and I kind of felt like it took away from instead of talking about the quality of the match that they put on that people were more talking about that and it just seemed a little bit unnecessary to me Um, yeah I mean
0: like yes the stories are important and you know the outcomes are important but to me you should have a pretty predominant focus on the wrestling itself Mm -hmm. on the actual match that took place not just you know well what's gonna happen with the titles after this like was it a good match did you enjoy it (laughs) like maybe answer those questions first and then think about all of the you know complicated wrestling politics things that take place
1: because of it exactly because like like literally i saw i was like that was an amazing pay-per-view i was pretty much reeling after it and all i saw was (laughs) most people like angrily arguing about the semantics of this title swap and it just didn't need to be what it was um i don't know if you want to talk about the title swap it was and all the drama that has been since i mean might as well
0: we've already gone off tangent on like seven different parts of this as the
1: (laughs) as the resident charlotte defender (laughs) as apparently i am now um I don't know. I feel like part of me feels like all of this is like kind of bullshit that people are buying into. I feel like they know that nobody, that we don't really want to see Charlotte and Becky again so they're like, well the kind of work shoot aspect worked for getting people into the Becky and Rhonda feud so maybe let's do that again with them. I feel like that's part of this but I also feel like if so the story, if, if you don't know, the story goes as follows. Um, they were supposed to swap titles on Friday Night SmackDown the next day. Um, the in the segment, Becky was going to like grab the title from so- from Charlotte and um, like kind of brag about being Becky two belts or something like that. And essentially, Charlotte said no; she didn't want to do that. She thought that that would make her look stupid. And honestly, if that's the case, I 100% agree with Charlotte there. Um, She's the queen. Why would she let somebody take her title and jump around in her face with it? That's stupid. And so I think that they didn't necessarily come to an agreement on, on that. And if you watch the clip of it, you can see that Sonia was going to switch the titles herself. But Becky didn't hand her the title over uh, while she had Charlotte's title. And so Becky goes to grab the title from Charlotte. And that's when Charlotte, like, drops it on the ground or whatever. Which I agree was immature on both of their parts. Charlotte shouldn't have dropped the title on the ground. Becky shouldn't have thrown the title at her. Um, they were both being immature. And
0: I, I mean, I heard that it, the... Like,
1: sorry, not to throw in my own hearsay,
0: but I heard that Charlotte, like, didn't, like, intentionally drop the title. Like, there was a so weird handoff issue.
1: It was... So, what happened is, is like, Sonya... So, Sonia's standing in the middle, and she kind of, like, was handing it to Sonia, but Becky tried to grab for it, so she moved it out of Becky's reach, and then dropped it on the ground. Yeah. So, the the dirt sheets are saying is that once they got backstage, and uh, where, allegedly, words were exchanged between Becky and Charlotte, Charlotte then claims she didn't drop the title on purpose, she dropped it on accident, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem true, because if you look at the video she's like clearly laughing about it um but she drops it on the ground and then Sonia like gets serious and tells her to pick it up and so she picks it up she hands it to Sonia um and then Becky's instead of handing it to Sonia she throws it at Charlotte um again I just think the whole thing is kind of stupid I think it's been blown way out of proportion um they're both heels so whether it was a work or a shoot it really it really People are being like, "Well, they're disrespecting the titles." You guys don't give a fuck about those titles. Like, no. let's be real here. <laughs> you don't give a fuck about those titles. Um, yeah, all of it, it. The whole thing reminds me of the
0: stories after WrestleMania 35 about Sasha and Bayley. Sasha, right? And that's how what they I were said. crying in the hallways and shit. Like, that's all that this reminds me of. And uh, you know, the other thing is like. Chris Jericho and Brock Lesnar got into a shoot fight after SummerSlam after one Summer year. Slam, yes. Like this is far from the worst thing we have seen two wrestlers do.
1: <laughs> you know, like this is that's my. <laughs> That's my other thing about this, too, in a lot of things with wrestling Twitter is, like, they'll get so up in arms about some of these things, and I'm like, do you guys know anything about wrestling? Like, some of y'all say that Shawn Michaels is your favorite wrestler of all time. How can you sit here and criticize Oh, you want to talk about a messy bitch. You want to talk about messy? How can you sit here and criticize Charlotte for having an ego or being messy or thinking too highly of herself and then turn around and say Shawn Michaels is your favorite wrestler of all time? Like, (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) I mean, is someone serious?
0: who, like, one of my favorite, you know, wrestlers from that era is Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon. And he wasn't, like, messy, but, like, he was surrounded by people who were. So, like, I have heard a lot of the stories about, like, the way things were even past that, like, into, like, the 2000s. Like, people shitting in people's bags, people whipping their dicks out yeah. and stuff. Like, you want to talk about, like, the like worst things that wrestlers have done on a shoot like two two ladies misunderstanding each other is far from the worst and if they did get into like, an altercation backstage so what have you guys never had an argument
1: with your friends like people are acting like we just witnessed the second coming of the Montreal screw job when literally all that happened is they were a little bit bitchy about some titles like <laughs> like i get it but like you know and then all this other stuff too about like coming out about charlotte and whether or not the girls in the locker room like her and people are saying well because it's wade keller it's reliable but just like you said i mentioned this to another friend uh, to another mutual earlier about it's like just like with the sasha and bailey thing you know like <laughs> people swore up and down that this is what happened and as it turns out none of it was true uh you don't think the same people who would go lie to dirt sheets and tell them that Sasha and Bailey were lying on the ground screaming and crying after Usmania would also go and lie and say that Charlotte no one likes Charlotte and she's this and she's that. Like let's be a little realistic here.
0: I mean also, like So what if they don't like working with her? Like I mean like it, exactly. that also doesn't matter? Like Sometimes if there is a problem if there is a problem, it will be handled either through an administrative interference, or they will learn to work with her, and she will learn to work with them. Like, it's just not something that I view as a
1: big deal, because I'm just like, it this just... is just how yeah. life is. Like... That's, that's wrestling. I guarantee you there's probably something far worse going on in some indie locker room in some oh, god nowhere. I guarantee you. There's Hello, no speaking out happening. movement. Well, exactly. Like, and I'm not saying, like, you know, people can't be critical or whatever. Like I said, people are acting like this is the second coming of Brett and Sean. Yeah. screw like, screw job, And it's just not that serious. You know. <laughs> but that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's pretty much there. all I had
0: for that. Yeah. And then I think we can move on
1: to the uh, last match of Main the night. Main event. Brock versus Roman. Um... I really enjoyed this match the first time I watched it and I enjoyed it almost a little bit more on my second time watching it. Um, I don't even know where to start. Uh, (laughs) I just like watching Brock and Roman wrestle each other. I think they both have kind of a similar approach to the business where they're like, they're really good at seeing the bigger picture of things and knowing like what's necessary from not. They're both like really good on like the whole less is more aspect which I can appreciate in wrestling um it really comes through in the timing and the pacing spots in their matches um i just really enjoyed this match there was so much to love about it um roman avoiding the suplexes by just grabbing the rope i feel like i haven't <laughs> seen anybody do that before and that's such a simple thing but <laughs> and it's I a very like, good thing it's a very good thing. Like, it's, like, the first time he just kind of grabs it. And then, the, like, by the third time, he's, like, holding on to that rope for dear life. Like, I'm not going to let you suplex me. And then, like, a moment after that, I guess Brock kind of gets the gets what he's going for. And so the next time he tries to suplex him, he makes sure they're in the middle of the ring. And Roman can't reach any of the ropes. <laughs> and that's when he finally hits the suplex on him. i was like, these two are yeah, so the good.
0: <laughs> they're
1: so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, uh... You know, I'm a big, you know, proponent of the idea that the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar uh, saga is possibly the most important thing to happen in mainstream wrestling uh, since the streak was was broken, honestly. Mm. Um, Which, you know, I won't go into detail too much about that theory, but it, uh... Yeah, I mean this was enjoyable. This was as enjoyable as, you know, any of their other matches have been, if not more. Uh and part of that was uh because so I actually pointed this out on Twitter last night. Uh to no effect because like nobody like sees what I say. But uh someone was talking about how like they were surprised at how much they were enjoying Brock being a face and him being solo and without Paul Heyman and I did point out that there was a short period of time in his original run in WWE where they actually did that this story basically where Brock is solo, he's away from Paul, he's on his own. And just like back just like now back then people kind of popped for face Brock because he's like when he's not playing the bully, he's kind of got this like farm boy charm
1: to him yeah that but, is very charming
0: just he is he's a very like my aunt actually said that like she w- never thought brock was attractive in any way shape or form until he smiled and she was like well that changes literally everything about him <laughs> like because and it kind of does because like once he turns that smile on it's like oh wow you probably like call you know, little old ladies, ma'am and are nice to people in (laughs) stores. Like you know? So, you know, Brock has this very natural charm to him that doesn't get enough credit. So it's it's always fun to see these newer wrestling fans who haven't seen Brock's original run you know, see him do this now where he is a face, even though he's still, you know, like a reigning terror. Um Mm -hmm. but, but you know see him play a face yeah but you know he's a good guy now and he uh, is having this fun you know fun being you know kind of a country farm boy and it it, uh, it's just nice to see that taken with Roman who has always been a justice seeking tweener I want to say (laughs) like that's always kind of been how his character has come off to me is like not good not bad i do say i will say this is not the first time he has been a heel because i believe firmly that to some degree the perception of you is what you actually are so i do think roman has been a heel before that being said it's nice to see face brock against this you know completely reinvented Roman Reigns. And when it came to the actual match, like you said, like, they're really good together, like, no matter what. And part of that is because Brock, obviously, is a wrestling genius. He is stupidly smart about every single yeah. aspect of professional wrestling. It is absurd. He could easily take over, like, the production Of most of WWE's matches. And it would be fine. And. Because he's just ridiculously smart. About wrestling. And. Roman obviously. Has so much experience. Just from growing up in it. That he understands all these little intricacies. That. I personally really enjoy. Because both of them have. Kind of the golden era mindset when it comes to making matches and putting matches together and you know the golden era the way i'm describing it is from like 1990 to like 2005 um and you know that period of time where it was like you know a lot of like who people recognize as like the better storytellers were coming around like The Undertaker Shawn Michaels uh, I'm sh- uh, Eddie Guerrero people like that that was when they were like you know the big names and to me as someone who's watched a lot of that wrestling the way Brock and Roman when they get together to put together a match it comes off very much like how like let's say Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart would be putting together a match. Like, just that very classic professional wrestling. You get a little bit of everything that makes professional wrestling great in that match. Like, you get the, you know, high-flying suicide dive. You get the more technical wrestling. You get the emotional spots. You get the smart spots. Uh... All that, you know? And I just, I truly, truly do enjoy seeing Brock and Roman. Because you can also see, like, their mutual respect for each other. And every time, you know, a lot of the times whenever I see them interact, I always think back to that moment before WrestleMania 31. Uh, <laughs> Where, you know, they're having this, like, backstage sit-down and Mm. you know Brock is kind of like quietly laughing at Roman and they you know they stand up to do their you know man confrontation and Roman is like I forget exactly what he says and he's like but you will respect me and it's very quiet and it's just I don't know those two are just they have such an immeasurable skill to put together golden age wrestling in 2021, when we're in a very different age, and it's just magical to watch. <laughs> Sorry, I had a lot to say about yeah. that that I didn't realize I had to say. <laughs>
1: no. Roman, and, no, Roman and Brock are just great to watch together. Um, they're just great. They have such good chemistry. They have such good perspective on what a wrestling match should be, um, and what they need to do. Um, I love. I just. I just can't stop saying that. I love watching them wrestle. Like I just get so excited every time they're in a ring together because I just know it's going to be good shit. Um, Which, on that note, I will say, I
0: feel like I'm also in the minority here when I say that I don't necessarily need them to do this a second time. <laughs> I kind of want Brock to just run around like a... I don't even know the word. Like I just kind of want him to run around from brand to brand, picking fights, giving us dream matches.
1: Let him fight Valter. Kind of I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle of that because I think that I agree. I, I just want to see Brock do fun Brock stuff. Um, Let him fight I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to another Brock moment. I um, mean,
0: like, if it really came down to it, no, I, I do not want it at WrestleMania under any circumstances. No, but, I saw
1: some people saying that. No, 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 no. It can't be there. It
0: can't. <laughs> like, I was like, give the fucking, like, Rumble match or whatever but you know at, not not Wrestlemania yeah.
1: I'll take it at Rumble hell I'll take it at TLC I don't give a damn I'll take TLC's it not SmackDown. happening uh, well they haven't announced that yet but yeah
0: um, I mean, or I guess day, I will day say, one
1: not TLC I
0: will say for day one I want Jeff Hardy to face Roman I don't want anybody else just let it like I need them to just let them have that let Jeff we'll and even- Joe have that <laughs>
1: I will take anybody but Drew at this point. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. I mean, look, yeah, now that you've spoken it, look
0: what's going to happen. Vince is going to hear just that part of this and be like, well! (laughs) Drew, I got got Um, a match for
1: you! So, okay, so, one, I have to talk about Roman. I have to mention Roman doing his... I think that move is called the Tope Suicida. Basically what yeah, Roman jumps is Yeah, he basically jumps his big ass over the top rope. That was so cool. It's always cool when Roman does that and I love that he doesn't do it often um because it just makes it all the more cool. But it is so I it's so impressive that Roman can do that cuz he's a very big man. Yeah, so, for
0: for people who don't know a lot about MMA, if Roman were to compete in the UFC with the current uh, weight classes, he would be at the very top of the heavyweight weight class limit. The heaviest you can be, at least from what I remember. (laughs) And, I mean, they may have changed it uh, without my knowledge, but, uh, like, I'm pretty sure the heaviest you can be in... UFC is two sixty five.
1: Um, like he's he's a big man, um, and he and it's not like he's barely grazing the top rope. He clears that top rope for that dive. It's it's pretty insane. He does not and, want um, no Cedric
0: Alexander moments.
1: He doesn't.
0: <laughs> um, not that I mean Brock, I'm sure his fans wouldn't mind. But um, sorry, I don't know if everyone knows what I'm referencing. But uh, if you do,
1: you do. Shout out to Cedric Alexander.
0: Shout, shout out to Cedric. Some random shout out to Cedric Alexander that like doesn't make you know any sense for the context of this podcast, but like just honestly, a shout
1: out to him. What a great dude! Good <laughs> dude. Um, there was another moment in this match where I think Roman was about to go for the spear and Brock just straight up jumps over him. That was insane. Yes,
0: the uh, <laughs> the the leapfrog.
1: I don't he even did... know if I would call it a leapfrog because in a leapfrog you normally you spread your legs so like it gives the illusion that you're jumping high. Brock just jumped over him, I think. Yeah, because Brock I don't has. Even know if I would call that a leapfrog. Brock
0: has a stupid vertical jump. Like Brock is
1: insane. Like, how is he a real person? Um, Paul, you sneaky bitch. I don't know what that was in reference to, but I wrote that down. Um. <laughs> Oh, and then also the only other thing that I really thought about this match was I thought it was so funny how Roman hauled ass out of the ring because he's never done that before. Like, just perfect storytelling, like, especially for him to show up on SmackDown the next like the next night, like, oh, I beat Brock Lesnar's ass. Like, are you sure you did? Because you got the fuck out of Dodge as fast as you could. <laughs> like, that was so funny to me. Um, but, oh yeah, and the spot with Paul throwing the title in the middle of them you know yes I think he did on purpose because he doesn't he knows he was throwing it to Brock I yes he was. he's sniveling sniveling whatever the word is he's sneaky but I think that's everything that's the whole pay-per-view he yeah kind of I mean, that's that's pretty much all in all I enjoyed it I thought it was a good show Um everything's well put together Um and i think like all the new normally the saudi shows are not that good because they just kind of throw random matches on there but i think they put a lot of effort into the card this time they really made it count for something and it was really enjoyable watch for the first time ever
0: yeah i mean it it i mean i've i've liked bits and pieces from the saudi shows before but never just solidly throughout the the whole show and, uh, mm. it was just, you know, uh, I mean, I, again, I just don't have anything to say. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say other than just, it was just a really good ass pay per view. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you got four hours to spare and you want to watch some wrestling, I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. I do, again, uh, sorry, everyone, for the talk about, uh, anti-capitalism and uh, social political issues though. in the Middle East and a lot of other things that we kind of just went off on. <laughs> we, have a, we have a good tangent. We really did have a couple of tangents in between <laughs> our review. Um, I think most people's pay-per-view reviews do not go to 110 minutes, but <laughs> I mean we we both had a lot I mean, to say about the actual matches too, you know. I spent like a solid be... 17 minutes talking about Drew and and Eve. So.
1: <laughs> it, and also like it could be worse. We could be like that JD guy and just screaming our heads off. Like oh, we could gosh. just be like <laughs> r- ranting in <and> anger. <laughs> and well, we're going to be doing that episode, in
0: other right? episodes, I'm sure. Uh <laughs> but
1: but yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, closing thoughts. I had a good time. It was a good show. Yeah, me too. Good wrestling. Love wrestling.
0: So, uh, to close it <laughs> off, uh, you know, song recommendation, match recommendation, I'm just gonna go ahead and say, uh, Jesus Christ, let me get the date on this. Uh, it's, hmm, come, come here, keyboard. Uh, ah, f- I ha- I forgot Brock and John Cena's names for a second.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, those guys. What are their names? What?
0: Um. Oh, it must have been 2003. I bet it was. T. Oh, okay, yes it was. Okay, so I'll go ahead and do mine first so you can have a moment to think. Match recommendation, mm-hmm. John Cena versus Brock Lesnar from Backlash 2003. It was actually around the start of when John Cena had really started getting attention and started getting any kind of notoriety and uh, he, you know, had just really gotten fully into like his rapper gimmick. Brock was champion and it was just you know, two young stallions going at it and it's genuinely a very, very good match. It's one of Brock's, in my personal belief, better matches from his original run. At least it doesn't involve, like, The Undertaker or Kurt Angle. <laughs> and song um, recommendation. Song, yeah. Uh... <laughs> uh Anti-Flag. Sodom, Gomorrah, Washington, D.C. Uh, Anti-Flag is the band. Sodom, Gomorrah, Washington, D.C. is the name of the song because, you know, uh, fuck capitalism. There we go. It fits with the theme. Alternatively, anti-flags uh, wonderful little tune called Die for Your Government. Just keep with the theme.
1: Um, I think I'm having a hard time. Making... Okay. Uh, I'm debating whether I should say this publicly or not. Okay, I'll pick a different match. Um, I'll go with you're gonna have to tell me what the (laughs) fuck that means when we close (laughs) there's another match that i really really like by a really horrible person and
0: just say it like uh, i'm sitting here i'm sitting here talking about fuck like all of my problem i'm sitting here with my punishment athletics hat sitting next to me i don't really think anyone's gonna judge
1: (laughs) it's pretty bad i'm gonna go with um
0: I'll get it out yeah. of her between guys. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you when we, when we go off. You know, <laughs> fuck it. I'll go with Timothy Thatcher versus Eddie Kingston as the match recommendation. Oh, that's a I think good I was one. In Beyond. Yeah, that was a good one. I got. Yeah. I used a lot of clips from my from that match in my Tim Thatcher fan cam. <laughs> I made gifs <gyps> of that. <laughs> really good match. Um. Yeah, cause two very different wrestlers. Very good. Though. Very different. Uh, and then my. Sh- my song recommendation, I'll go with your theme as well in Anti Capitalist. Um, and I'll go with No Lives Matter by Body Count. Um, which is, if you don't know this, Ice T has a metal band and they're really good. They're called Body Count. And um, th- that song actually came out last year. But yeah. All right. My well, my song.
0: That was a wild ride of a pay per view review. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening uh i feel free to tweet about all of the shit that was said here uh be safe wear your masks do right by each other and uh get your heads out of your asses when it comes to the geopolitics of the middle east thank you everyone